Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. Michael Andusio, Tom Bradley, and Mark Clementi. The band's all back together this week. It's good to have Tommy back. We missed him last week. I uh, had to talk hockey, so right, that, that was, was scary. Yeah, sure that was something. Sure that went well. Yeah, it was really we had depth. To, And there was a Dan Hyden signing last week, so we had to talk about that, which was fantastic. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it again as we get closer to the season. But um, we did what we could to hold down the fort in Tommy's absence. Now we're all back. It's We're recording this August 4th. Some Steeler news today, so we'll start right out of the gate strong with the Steelers. First week in pads, some news coming out. The biggest today, they signed uh, Deontay Johnson, two-year extension, $18.355 million per year. I like it. I think it makes sense. It's market value for a guy that has the stats that he has. People argue that he has too many drops, but when you actually dig into the numbers and you look at drops as a percentage of actual completions, he's not as high as you think he is. Uh, so for me, it made total sense. I think it's a win-win for, for Deontay. I think it's a win for the Steelers. And you know, you still have that weapon in the offense. Yeah, I think it's a good move because you know, there was some uncertainty in that wide receiver room. You know, you have Deontay who was coming up at the end of his contract. Claypool's coming up on his on his end of his rookie contract next year. You have two rookies uh, that they that they just drafted this year. Gives a little stability. Yeah, you know, I, it and it puts settled, pressure on Claypool to perform. It just settles that room down a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, there, you know, you've got a very young team on the offensive side of the ball. And this is a guy that's been there for a little bit, has had some success at the NFL level. You need some of those guys. And, uh, I mean, 18 million, a year ago, 18 million would have been ridiculous. You know, now guys are signing for 25, $30 million. So I think 18 is the exact number they should have been at. I give Omar Khan credit for uh, getting another deal done that I think is fair and right on the money. And, uh, you know, you're starting to see a little bit of change, I think, with the Steelers, uh, with, with Omar. I think the negotiations have been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. The strategies have been a little bit different. And, and I think it's a little refreshing. So it's uh, sort of, the, you know, they got Boswell signed, which mm-hmm. nobody even noticed earlier in the week. Uh, and now him signed. That gets the contract crap out of the way. They got mm-hmm. a month or so until kickoff. No distractions. No yeah, more no, sit-ins. No or whatever. more distractions. Yeah. No more practicing or whatever the hell, hold-ins, whatever they were doing. Yeah. So I think it makes a ton of sense. I think it's a good deal. I think it's fair. Mm-hmm. If uh, Deontay continues to progress, he's going to be a free agent at 28. Uh, and I think he has a chance to cash in big at that point. So good for him. Good for him and good for the Steelers. Yeah, he's still young enough. I mean, we're three old guys. And we, we're still under the impression that it's a running league. It's not. No. It's a passing league. So this is this is the going rate. Like he said, it's, you know, Last year, two years ago, three years ago, $18 million for a wide receiver. I mean, he's a really good wide receiver. He's a top 10 receiver now. No. But he's the Steelers' best receiver. Now they got him, like you said, back in camp actually practicing. I don't know what this holding thing is. I don't know when they started doing TJ that. started that. TJ started it last TJ year. TJ started it last year. That, that yep. must be a new thing. But, no, yep. I, I, it, it's a good deal for both sides. I, I just think for the Steelers, are they competing this year? Probably not. I, I, I don't. I mean, we'll they, they might make the playoffs, right. mm-hmm. but they're not competing for a Super Bowl. So it's a short-term deal for a guy. Mm-hmm. If he keeps playing at a higher level, is going to get a hell of a lot more money than eighteen right. million a year. But I, I think it's a good move for both sides. And I love it too because, I, as I alluded to, Tommy, when you were talking about it, I think this puts pressure on Claypool. He better put up numbers this year, and he better perform closer to what he did his rookie year than what he did last year. And actually take it to the next level because, as you said, his contract's up uh, after next year. So if he doesn't, they can let him walk. 
they can let them walk and they'll be fine. I mean, that's not for Pickens. They, it looks fantastic in camp. They look, he looks like the real deal. Austin looks like this kid is phenomenal. He makes something out of nothing constantly. So now you have some options with Claypool that, hey, this is, you're not, he's not going to hold you over a barrel and want an exorbitant amount of money. You don't need him. Yeah, and what what it does is it shores up your wide receiver room for the next three years. Assuming Pickens and Austin continue to do what they're doing, you have Deontay now signed. Pickens and Austin are rookies, so they're going to be here. So now you know you have a solid three at the top of your wide receiver core for the next three years. Claypool becomes a lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. If he progresses this year, great. Maybe they look at doing something with him next year. If not, then, you know, they've got in it. Let him walk and draft draft another one. Probably (laughs) draft another one next year. Um, And to Michael's point, this whole hold-in thing, for those of you that don't know, um, the last CBA, they put in some language that you now, if you hold out of training camp, you get fined and you must pay the fine. In years past, players would hold out. They'd agree after 10 or 15 days of missing camp, the fines would magically disappear or get worked into the contract. Well, now it's league mandated and you pay the fines to the league. So there's no way around it. So what happened last year was the first year that this rule, I think, was in place. So you had these hold-ins where they show up, they're at practice, but they don't stay do anything. They just stay in the right. Well, they, do part, they just don't do the individual stuff. They right. do the individual work, but they don't do the team stuff. So that's why this has become more and more of a mm-hmm. thing. T.J. Watt was the first one. This year you had three or four wide receivers doing it, and I think there's a couple other. I think there's a safety doing it too. Um, so I think this is going to be the new thing now. D.K. Metcalf did it up in yes, Seattle. Yes, he did. Yeah, before he signed. Samuel yeah. Samuel did it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's just the way of the world, just another thing. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, Claypool, you know, and he's hurt. He hasn't practiced very much um, so far. So, I, I, this is a huge year for him, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned the wide receiver room stabilized. Michael and I talked about one room that is there's not a lot of depth and there's a lot of question marks. It's, it's corner. And today, news out of camp, it, Cam Sutton's dinged up his knee. Hopefully it's not bad. We're, we're supposed to, you know, I think as we're recording this, Tomlin's talking to the media and can provide an update. That is one guy they cannot afford to lose. There goes your any cornerback depth that you have. God forbid if this is a serious injury, you're in big, big trouble at that position. Yeah, I was listening to Matt Williamson yesterday, who I really like. I think he does a great job of uh, breaking down some of the stuff. You know, and he said, you know, this has become a league where if you have seven corners, you want them all to be B minuses to C plus corners as opposed to having one A and then five or six Ds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a shutdown corner league like it used to be when my boy Dion was around and, and Rod, you know, Rod Woodson and those shutdown corners where it's more of a group effort. And the Steelers have a lot of those B, C players. You know, they had some rookies last year with Trey Norwood mm-hmm. and Millette and you know, they signed – Levi, uh, Levi, Wallace. Levi Wallace, and they Killa, re-signed to kill a Weatherspoon. So they have depth, but they don't have any stars. But, then, yes, I agree with you. To not have Sutton for any significant period of time, I think would be a problem for that defensive backcourt. Yeah, you don't want to be pushing the, the, the fifth and sixth corner up to number three. Right. You know, that that yeah. is the problem. As we were talking last week, like I told you, I was digging into their roster because you and Tommy are more previed on the Steelers' roster. I don't watch many Steeler games. And when I was looking, like I told you, I went through pro football focus, mm-hmm. and there's 32 teams. They were ranked 29th as far as corners. Now, safety is a different mm-hmm. position, but the cornerback position, they were 
at, at almost the, the dead bottom. So to lose a guy like Sutton would, would really, really hurt their depth. No, that would be a big blow, no question about it, um, and present some big issues. I would, Like I said, it, it's a little premature at this point to even speculate. It just happened today. We don't know the extent of the injury at all. But just wanted to mention it because that is one guy they cannot afford to lose right now because they'll be on the waiver wire trying to find somebody to replace. They, you have to. They just don't have the talent or the depth, I think, to, to withhold. You know, just to Or you try to draft pick next year for somebody right. that has depth at that position that might be Bring looking. Some, yeah. To, yeah, they the guy might not fit for them, but they want to get right. something for him. So and you never want to be in that, that no, situation you where you, you're forced to do something because you're always going to end up on the wrong side of it. So – Fingers crossed it's not serious. He's fine. He'll probably miss a week or two of, of training camp, which a veteran of his stature, no big deal at all. So another area of concern on the defense. And you're listen, we're going by reports that we hear. We're not there. We're not seeing with our own eyes, unfortunately. But evidently what we saw from Devin Bush last year was not a fluke. It was not his ACL. It's more the same from him. He's slow to react to the point where Robert Spillane is, is sp- uh, splitting time with him. Miles Jack is seeing the most reps, and then Spillane and, and, and Bush are, are splitting, is splitting reps at the other, other middle linebacker position. Not what we wanted to hear. We were hoping it was the ACL, and he was slow to come back from the ACL. It's obvious that there's much more to it than that with this guy. Yeah, I think part of the problem is, is I don't think it's physically the ACL anymore. It seems to be mentally it's the ACL that he just doesn't, he's hesitant. He's not trusting his knee. He's not trusting physically what he's doing and he's thinking too much. Up, and yeah. when, a, when a linebacker is thinking and not reacting, uh, that gets yourself, you're, in, step you're, slow. you're getting yourself in trouble. And, you know, Roberts Blaine is one of those guys that, you know, if, if he's got a, you know, a, a, a eight out of 10 ability, he seems to get 12 or 13 mm-hmm. out of that 10 or out of that eight. And Devin Bush is the opposite. I mean, he's a stud. He went to Michigan. He was a star linebacker. He's a top 10 pick. And he just does not seem to be maximizing what he can do. And uh, I don't think that there's anything, health that, unless he's hurt, that will keep Devin Bush from starting week one because I, I just think the Steelers are going to let him hang himself in games. But, yeah, this has certainly not been, you know, this, you know, in a, in a perfect world, if Bush and Spillane are playing to 100% of their ability, it's not even close. Oh, right. Bush is by far the better player. Um, he has more physical tools, more physical ability. Um, but the one thing that Spillane does do uh, that this defense needs to do is stop the run. So if he's your starting inside linebacker, at least he'll be better at, start, at stopping the run. But, boy, you know, if Bush – if Bush doesn't wind up getting out of this season as a starter and having a good year, this is going to go down as one of the biggest busts ever for the Steelers. I mean, it really is. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers moved up to draft him, and that's out of their character. Well, they got the wrong Devin. Well, they weren't, <laughs> your they Buccaneers got the right one. They, that they year. weren't going to get the right Devin because yeah. they, they couldn't move up that far. But, yeah, I mean, the, the guy that they drafted and the guy that's there now, it's not the same guy. No. And like you said – You saw it, flashes his rookie year, what the guy could yeah. be, and you haven't seen it since. No, you haven't seen it since. And, and Tommy said – he's right. You know, you, you have an injury like that, but if you're playing this game tentatively, you're going to be out of the league real quick. I mean, he doesn't have a good year this year. Where does he go? He winds up becoming a journeyman maybe another right. two or three years, and he's, he's out, out of the league. league. Right. So, yeah, this is very concerning. He becomes another Artie Barnes. Right, bouncing around the league, yep. signing one-year minimum deals, Huey Richardson around, stuff like that. I mean, Huey <laughs> Richardson didn't even get that far. 
much. Yeah, so I yeah, it's it, it's a it's a major concern for the Steelers, you know, especially the way they play defense with the three four with the two inside linebackers. You got to have two there. Can Spillane play 16, 17 games? Is that what you want in the middle? I don't know. I mean, right. so you're you're banking on 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 Bush figuring it out sooner rather. That's than what later. they were banking. Yeah. I guarantee you. And it's a shame too because Miles Jack seems like he's he's exactly what was advertised. He seems to have some of that a little bit of an explosion back, and he's mm-hmm. playing downhill, playing the kind of inside linebacker that, quite frankly, Joe Schobert just couldn't uh, last year. Um, so it seems like they fixed one half of that inside linebacker duo, and it'll be a real shame if Bush uh, again doesn't progress and lets that down. Because, like, like you say, Michael, I mean, the Steelers' defense is built on linebackers. That's mm-hmm. what historically do the defensive linemen are there to take up space. And the linebackers are the stars of this defense. And um, if you've got a weak link, the NFL teams are going to expose it. And, uh, you know, I hope, you know, we're still a long way away from kicking off the season. But, boy, I you know, it's so far it's been disappointing. Yeah, and it really has. And time will tell. And, you know, the preseason games this year for the Steelers have much more meaning than they have in past years. They, they're must-see TV this year. They're so uh, – obviously, the quarterbacks, we're not going to touch the quarterbacks yet. The one position I want to talk about on offense is the left guard position and the battle that's going on there between Kendrick Green in his second year. We all know how horrible he was at center last year. He says that everybody else says it. Ben Roethlisberger said it, that he would be much better suited playing guard while he's getting a shot. He's going up against Kevin Dotson, another guy who had an exact opposite. Great rookie year, horrible second year. Came in unprepared last year, uh, paid the price. And so that's another battle. Um, that we're watching this year. That and, and the reporters are saying it's kind of bizarre how they're handling it. Uh, from one day to the next, from one drill to the next, they're they're switching out first team, second team. Uh, Tommy, I don't know what your thoughts are there and, and, and what you think so far. Well, it's two very different stylistic players. Um, Kendrick Green is a smaller size guard who's athletic. He's a guy that's going to get out. You know, if you're pulling and sweeping and stuff. He's a guard that's good, is going to be able to get out on the edge and, and make some blocks. Um, Dotson is the exact opposite. He's bigger. Um, he's a mauler straight ahead. Um, he's a better run blocker than he is. They're both probably arguably better run blockers than they are pass blockers. Um, but he's a more bulldozer straight ahead kind of guy. So, you know, style-wise, they're two completely different football players. And I, I don't know enough about this offense yet. Excuse me, but Matt Canada... Um, my guess is that they're probably going to want the guys that can pull and get to the edge and, and with the mm-hmm. jet sweeps. And the, um, I've read quite a couple times where or, or people who are up there watching saying that they really seem to be emphasizing sweeps, that they are really mm-hmm. running a lot of sweeps. Uh, getting even the quarterbacks the green, out of the pocket. Even the green Bay sweep. So, um, you know, I, I would to me that would, would lead to Kendrick Green potentially being that guy. Uh, they were disappointed in Dotson last year, both injury-wise, not being able to get back on the field. Whether you know whether it was you know maybe it was a mental thing with him not wanting to get back on the field or not maybe being tough enough to get back on the field, and he was and he was out of shape last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, 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 to me, the way it sounds so far, I think Kendrick Green's in the league, but he, in the lead, uh, but again, a long way to go. Yeah, I mean, we we looked at this offensive line in the offseason, right? I mean, it, this mm-hmm. offensive line was really bad last year. Uh, it, it, it pretty much every position. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't run the football. They couldn't throw the ball down the field because they couldn't protect Ben long enough to get the ball down the field. That's why everything was, you know, from the line of scrimmage five yards down the field. 
whoever wins the left guard spot, what the Steelers need, and just like any championship team, most of their linemen are set all year. You're not flip-flopping a guy from right guard to center, from center to left guard. You know, a guy from right tackle is not, you know, doing the job. Mm-hmm. You move him to guard. The good teams, the good teams that win, they have stability on the offensive line. So whoever wins this job, you hope they take it and run with it, and they're not moving parts all, all season long. First preseason game next Saturday night, 7 o'clock, Seattle. So, you know, obviously we'll update you next week, uh, continue uh, to monitor what we're hearing coming out of St. Vincent. I'm actually going to try to make it up at some point next week. So maybe I'll have a, an in-person report to provide. And then after the first preseason game, if you guys are, then I think we can start talking about the quarterbacks, see how they all perform. They're obviously all going to play in that first game. Uh, and then I think at that point we can start making some judgments on is Trubisky the right answer? Is he not? Is he exactly who we thought he was going to be based upon what we saw in Chicago? Has Mason Rudolph taken another step? He seems to be the darling of all the the Steeler beat writers, including uh, Kaboom. That's all you hear about from Mark Kabali is how much he loves Mason Rudolph and every throw is perfect. Uh, but then on the flip side, Kenny Pickett sucks and everything's not accurate and he makes his first read all the time. So uh, I'll be anxious to see it with my own eyes. Not a biased report coming from a lolly or a, a, a kaboom, um, and, and for all of us to actually see it and be able to well, report games on are a lot different than, than absolutely than, yeah. than controlled scrimmages. That's what that's what they're doing right now is controlled scrimmages. So when the lights come on, and even though it's preseason, I mean we've seen it in the past. That's that's where we're going to find out who you know who rises to the top and who doesn't. Right. But for now, let's move on to the Pirates. Yeah. And before we talk about trade deadline or what's going on in the field. I just have to point out, there's a 14 or 15-year-old kid out there. And if there's somehow, some way we can get this podcast to him, I'd, I'd appreciate it. He just won the internet for 2022. And for those of you that haven't seen it, search Bob Nutting, sell the team t-shirt, and it'll, you'll pull it up. There was He's got, what, 14 or 15-year-old? Probably, he couldn't be any older than that. He was wearing a pirate jersey. He's with Bob Nutting. He opens up the jersey to reveal a pirate t-shirt that says sell the team standing next to bob nutting arm around bob nutting goofball nutting is smiling and laughing and has the goofy look on his face that you always see he's looking at the shirt and i guess he can't read or he can't read it upside down or whatever because he's smiling um and the kid gets a picture with him hilarious what else needs to be say said about bob nutting right there done I have nothing on that. I've seen it. I, 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 I got the best thing I got on Twitter. On There's no question. I got to chuckle. Yeah, it was. And the look on Nutting's face was even more bizarre. It just, uh, well, I mean, that's where we're at in Pittsburgh. Right. This is the guy that owns our professional baseball team, the, the game that we grew up loving, yep. the game we all played. He's destroyed. And uh, yeah, he's he's done everything he can to to, mm-hmm. to dismantle a professional franchise. Yeah, I. I hate Bob Nutting. I mean, that's just, uh, you know. I, Tell me you didn't love that kid, right? That oh, kid's your yeah. new I, I mean. And uh, with the Curb Your Enthusiasm music behind it, too, really <laughs> makes it, really tops it all off, too, and stuff. Um, and I hate to, I, now I hate to be negative because uh, my, uh, I think he's my cousin, Eli, my mom's, uh, my mom's uh, niece, yep. uh, her son just started, this is, this, he's, uh, searched us today since he's listening to the first uh, podcast okay. today. So welcome, Eli. 
Um, but uh, so I, he loves the Pirates, and I hate that he's a big baseball player. So I hate to be negative, but I, I hate that guy. I, I just do. I mean, it is just an absolute shame that that guy owns our baseball right. team. And well, all three of us were, were messaging back and forth this week, and I, I made a point, and I believe this: it it doesn't matter who the Pirates have as president, as GM, as director of scouting, because I do believe that Travis Williams, Charrington. Um, who's Charrington's right-hand guy? Sanders. Uh, Sanders. Steve Sanders. These are all very bright gentlemen. And I don't care who you are. The three of us who know a little bit about baseball could walk into that franchise, and it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, that guy controls everything. And he's a total moron. And he's going to make these guys look bad now. And at some point, people are going to realize this is a dead-end job. You have no hope. And you need to get incredibly lucky in Pittsburgh to win. And it's all because of that ass clown that just posed for a picture smiling and looking goofy as hell with a 14-year-old kid wearing a shirt that sell the team. Well, I mean, while that's a priceless moment, uh, I didn't need that moment to know, to, to, to see yeah. what, what kind of goofball that we're dealing with here. You know, and and uh, it, it's just a shame. I mean... You know, Charrington and Sanders and Travis Williams, they didn't come here and get stupid. You know, no. they didn't cross into Federal Street and all of a sudden they got dumb. Um, I mean, these are smart guys. They're successful guys. You know, Travis Williams had a long run as in the Penguins organization, a very successful organization. Charrington's won a, a World Series. Mm -hmm. Sanders has been by his side for a lot of it. Um, and, and, and there's just there's only one consistent consistency here. <laughs> And that's the freaking owner. Yeah. And it, it is just baffling, some of the things that this team does. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. I really don't. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, like you said, you know. There's nothing we, we can do. We, we talked. We, we did bash Huntington. How he got this team to the playoffs three years in a row with this asshole as the owner? Yeah. Is, won 98 games. Uh, it, yeah. it won almost 100 games. So and then the asshole dismantled the, the team. He dismantled the team. So – you know, Charrington walked into this job like a guy that just walked into Bloomingdale's and had $63 in his pocket. You're not getting anything for $63. That's it. I mean, you know, maybe a scarf, maybe maybe, a, maybe one glove. You can't get maybe. both. You just right. get one glove. You either get the and one sock. Right. And one sock. And yeah. one sock. Yeah. So that, that's where he's at. I, I feel bad for the guy. I think he knows baseball. I really do. I think he's made some good trades. But he's handcuffed on what he can do moving forward, and that's that's the frustration of, of, of the pirate fan base. It's it, it's, but this is it. Right. It's not going to get yep. any better. I mean, it's this not. is the movie what the Nicholson played in as good as it gets. This yeah. is it, bro. <laughs> right. So you either watch it or just stop watching it. Well, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you know, if you look at what's going on with the guys that he's already gotten rid of, Joe Musgrove signs a five-year, hundred million dollar contract. I mean, that guy was here. Mm -hmm. He could have stayed here if somebody wrote a check. Josh Bell just got traded in, in, in the biggest trade in the history of Major League Baseball, possibly yep. Major League Baseball. A guy that was wanted uh, mm -hmm. across the board. And, and we traded him because we didn't want to pay him anymore for a, a, a relief pitcher and some guy in the minors that, you know, we'll never, you know, he's probably already flipping hamburgers on the side. No, he uh, pitched last night. Eddie Ian. Oh, whatever it is. Okay. So <laughs> congratulations. Congratulations on all his success. Uh, you know, Tyon and Cole and, and the Yankees playing for the number one team in baseball. I mean, it's just it's just a shame what this organization does, and that's why it's so hard to get invested in anything they do. Um, right, and and we know, try. And, and like I this year, I was really trying. Nope. And I hit my and breaking we talked point. About it. And I blame this, you two, by the way. On this podcast, yeah. I blame him. I blame Michael. <laughs> Me and you both can blame Michael. 
I was perfectly fine being miserable watching now the Penguins and everything. their frustration. You with shit that on team. my rants. Now I get blamed for everything. I had one. I'm I had, like the second shooter on the grassy knoll. <laughs> I had one team on this town that pissed me off every year. Right. And I was perfectly content with that, ignoring the Pirates. <laughs> and I got lured in by you know, hey, you know, they're playing young guys and doing all that stuff. And it's like as soon as we started paying attention, I got to look out there and I and I see the Josh Van Meters and the Yoshis and. <laughs> And these jabronis that are and out Yu there. Chang. Yeah, Yu Chang, for Christ's sake. What's he doing now? He's <laughs> Tampa picked him up. He's yeah, he's probably hitting 800 down there. Mm -hmm. but, um, but, I mean, you know, I, I just thought that, you know, it was early on in this year. I, I thought there was some hope for this organization. And, boy, did they just absolutely take a dump in my salad well, but, this year. Uh, Tommy, mean, you were the one that said, you know, they were as soon as these guys came back off the DL, they were going to bring them back, right? We knew that but, that was going to – okay, I know where you're going with this, Mark. Give me a second. Yep. You knew they were going to bring them back. Now, I get it. They, now, the Yoshi thing, it, it, I mean, it, it just – every night I, I almost felt sick in my stomach to watch him hit. Well, the Yoshi thing I did finally figure out. I didn't realize until they DFA'd him that he was a $4 million contract. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah. Not even had to make much sure as they can. can't just let – no matter how bad they are, we can't let that go. So they kept him around, hoping and praying. Well, and DK, to his credit, has reported on why Ronzi went every stretch him out, stretch him out. That bullshit. Oh, absolutely. it was super two status, yeah. and they're saving time in the major leagues where they send him back down. They'll bring him back up when the super two's not in. Name me another major league baseball franchise that their number one pitching prospect and arguably their best pitcher. Right. Was shut down in the middle of the reason because super two for no reason. Right. No, I'm not talking. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. talking on the surface. Oh yeah, he wasn't hurt. Right. There was no inning limits. <clears throat> we want to make sure he's pitching in September. Why? Uh, yeah. Why would you care? Yeah. Let him pitch. Well, it's just like with any, it goes shut back to money. No, it's September. Yeah. Nobody's watching. Exactly. Nobody yeah. gives a shit. It always goes back to uh, money with them. Always, uh, always, just... always. And listen, once again, we, as we said, Charrington's not dumb. He, he great trade. The Quintana trade. I love it. I think it makes total sense. They got a hell of a lot more than I thought they were going to. And yeah, we can talk about rental. that. But here's my issue. Here's my issue. They didn't go far enough. Right? Why do we still see Ben Gamble? No reason. None. Why? Uh, JVM. Why? Why is uh, he still here? Uh, Kevin uh, Newman. Why are they still here? I'll agree with Give you. Give me see I want to see Swaggerty. I want to see Swinsky back up here. And these guys are blocking. Go all in. Michael, you say this all the time, and you're right. Either you're in or you're out. They're, they're halfway, always. Well, Michael's point was, and I agree with him that we talked about before, is it takes two to tango. Somebody had a want Cash to considerations. Who but, cares? Okay, well, somebody, well, somebody, still still, had, yeah. somebody still had to do that. Yeah. DFM, like you did with well, Yoshi. Well, hey, Gamble won him the game today. He made a great catch well, on left field. He had two hits. I get it. It doesn't I, matter. Well, but you got to have some veterans on. The, I mean, listen, they have four rookies in the lineup. Again Reynolds today. is a veteran. Key's a veteran now. Those are your veterans. You build around those guys. I will say this. You don't need those other guys. Yoshi was 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 an embarrassment. He wasn't a major league well, player. Right. Josh Van Meter is not a major league player. No, why is he here? It's an embarrassment that he's on the roster. Those, as far as embarrassments, as far as I'll go, as far as position players, Ben Gamble's is a nice major league baseball player. He's nothing special. He just, he he can, plays the game the right way. There's, there's no nothing doubt. wrong nothing against and, and, him. And young kids need to see that. There's nothing right. wrong with having a guy like him on a team, but he doesn't have to play every game, and he certainly doesn't have to be batting third. Or Thank fourth. you. I, yes, Kevin Newman was a was a Gold Glove caliber shortstop last year, and an infield where you've still got you know you have O'Neill Cruz who's very shaky at shortstop. You have uh, moving parts at second base. Um, I have no problem with Newman or Gamble being on the team. 
as but that doesn't mean they have to play. They're yes. your twelfth or thirteenth or thirteenth and fourteenth guy. I'll take that. There's but no, every day they're in the lineup. There's no problem. Those those veterans, they're 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 good people. They play the game the right way. There's no reason that they can't rub off on some young people. But the Van Meters, even the Gregory Greg Allen, is that his yeah? Name? What the hell's he doing here? Well, the only thing I'll say for him is that he's right-handed, and everybody else in his whole organization seems to be I, that I forgot a about him. There's yeah, a reason I forgot about him. Yeah, but, but he, he can bat. Well, I use the word bat right handed yes. loosely. But, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, the Greg Allen and Van Meter got to go, and yeah. then and but I, the, the problem is, is I, they don't. I'm looking around. Nobody else plays first base. Not that Van Meter right. does it well, because he really doesn't do anything well. Um, but well, pair- they're giving Madrid a chance. To, I mean, he's played first base the last couple games. And I, I agree. With I'm what not you a said big fan Madrid, of. Though. Yeah, I, I think Madrid is a is a, he's what you call a four A guy. Like, I'm he's not that a, guy you bring up from the minors. I, yep. But again, the guy they were banking on, Mason Martin, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a goddamn yep. boat. Yeah, so, that hurt them. I mean, he's just been no awful doubt. at Triple A. I mean, awful. he can't figure out what he's doing. He's striking 136 out. strikeouts this year. Yeah, 136. And 36 three. walks. Yeah, it's just and I'd still rather see that than than John, Josh, Josh Van, Van Meter. Yeah. yeah, probably. So you're right, I, Mark. I get your frustration with Van Meter, but you know well, I, the Ben Gamble yeah. thing. I don't mind him being on a team. But I not, get it. to your point, I'll, I'll agree with that. You, thank you. That's a great point, but not every day. Right, right. I agree with you. Not every day, and he doesn't need to be playing every day batting third. No, he just doesn't. No, and, and I, I have That's no problem. The thing, like. I have no problem with What's that. The, is there a problem? I, I We talk about splits all the time, right? And I know Chavis' splits, obviously, against lefties and righties is like, I mean, it's like falling off the friggin' Grand Canyon. But if you let him hit against right-handed pitching, he's going to get better at it. The guy's athletic at first base. He had a double last night. Um, he had another hit, pinch hit for Madras today. Yep. He had another hit today. I mean, he's second on a team in mm-hmm. RBIs, and he right. barely plays. Maybe two, he starts two games a week. I put him at first every day and then figure out what you're doing. Right. But yeah, Van Meter has to be the next guy for sure, 100% that has to go. Well, and that and that leads to my the, my initial rant or frustration for this week was I was fine playing this game up until the trade deadline. And, you know, if you could somehow have talked somebody into taking Yoshi or Van Meter or Allen, because he looks like he should be good. I mean, he looks, I mean, you look at him and you go, oh, yeah. man, that's an athlete right there. Right, I mean, yeah. he's big, he looks strong, and then he swings and everything goes to shit. <laughs> that looked there. like your jump shot. Yeah. It looked good until you let yeah. go. Yeah, then all yeah. hell broke loose. Right. But I was okay with riding them out to the deadline. You could try to swindle somebody in or package right. them in with something else. But the day after, you know, they got rid of Yoshi. It's like they do one thing and then they step in a pile of crap under the other, you know, the other foot. Um, you get rid of Yoshi, great. The other two should have went with you. Mm-hmm. Why is Van Meter on this roster? Why is Greg? Right, right, imagine if they would have gotten rid of Yoshi two weeks ago, and Marcano would have been up two right. weeks ago. Well, right. he has five hits in two, two days. days. Right. That guy didn't have five hits in the whole month of July well, for Christ's sake. I mean, sake. let's face it. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that they were tanking this year yeah. and trying to get an, one more year of a high draft pick. Um, but you know, another thing I was thinking about too, not to change the subject with these guys, but. One thing as an organization is the Pirates, who are cheap, who have a stupid owner, and and have to hit the windows at the right time. I don't know if anybody's been paying attention, but this division has sucked. Oh, it's terrible. Over the last it's couple terrible. years. Listen, and you Milwaukee's big, not that good. We just swept them. You have big money teams like Chicago, who are not spending any money, who are not playing well right now. You have the Cardinals, who are not typical Cardinals right now. No, I mean the best team in this in this division is is playing five fifty baseball. Mm-hmm. You know there was a window there for the Pirates to compete with a third wild card and stuff like that, 
had they just spent a little bit of money going into this year, which I know goes back to what our original frustration was. Mm -hmm. But you also got to, if you're the Pirates, you also got to understand that, you know, you have a sleeping giant in the Cubs who could be the Yankees and a drop of a hat with the way that they could spend money because they got all the, they sell out every game. They got plenty of money in their coffers too. And, and the Cardinals and the Brewers who spend money like a big team, you know, even though they're a smaller market than we are. Um, you know, what I, my fear is, is that it's just going to be like in, in, in 13, 14, and 15. The Pirates are going to get good, but the Cardinals are going to be a little right. bit better, or the Cubs are going to be miss, a little yeah. bit better. You know what I mean? So right. um, it's just so frustrating with this organization. Well, on the plus side, let's get back to the trade. Let's talk about the trade for a minute here. We don't need to belabor it, but... Quintana and Stratton go uh, to the Cardinals. Very surprising uh, intra-division trade. Um, uh, Pirates get back in return. A guy I really like, uh, Malcolm Nunez, first baseman. Has some power, very compact. Uh, young for his age. He's he was the young for his level. Yeah, yeah. 21 years old 21 playing in double A. Double a. Yeah. He was that. there last year at 20 years old and struggled, yeah. so they, they, they brought him back. Number 10 prospect for the Cardinals. I like that. They have a deep system, so if he's number 10 for them, this guy's a player. Um, looks like he's going to play first base. So we talked about first base and the issues of first base. And he's right. Charrington, he's not stupid. Like we keep saying, he, he's got a guy there that I think we plug into the system. And now, you know, hopefully next year he's up and he's playing first base. I like and, it. Yeah, I, I love it. And I, the I, other piece of it was the, the right-handed. Yeah. Aviato. Yeah. I mean, that guy has a year and a half of major league experience. And when they sent him down, I was like scratching my head. I'm thinking, why did they send him? Well, they sent him down because they want they, they have it. That's one they guy a, they legitimately yeah, wanted to they stretch They actually out. have a plan for him to start. They want him to go back. I mean, he started games last year for St. Louis. Now, when you're a young player in St. Louis, you're not going to get it. Your, your rope is real short. Now, if you're here, you've got a chance to, right. to you, you can work out the kinks while Absolutely. while, while it's, it, it's evolving. But there it didn't, so they moved him to the bullpen this year because – you know, they're not messing around. They're trying to make the playoffs. We're not. So that's why they sent them down. But I thought the trade was good. I mean, you get a bunch of people that are hammering the Pirates. You know, and people were nitpicking on Nunez that, uh, you know, he he hit, I don't know, 15 of his 17 home runs in, in his home ballpark, which has a short left field porch or whatever. Listen, you still got to get the ball, ball in the air, right? right? So, I, you know. He was the minor league player of the month in June. Yeah, he, he has 66 RBIs this year. I mean, he's having a really good year at double A. And like I said, that's and he's a piece. twenty-one. Yes, he's young, and and that's a piece you add to the system, and you added mm -hmm. another pitcher, and that's what the Pirates have been doing, like the Vogelbach deal, you know, getting Colin uh, Holderman. Holderman. Um, mm -hmm. He pitched today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, his ERA is under two now. It's limited, you know, twenty-some innings this year, but uh, you know they're adding pieces. Like we said, Tom even mentioned it. I was talking to him. They're starting to mold a pitching staff. And they're starting to put the guys in place mm -hmm. that they're going to want moving forward. And then you're starting to see that. Like last night's game, you know, Yuri De Los Santos, he was in a high leverage situation and he didn't come right. through. He blew it. But, but he has to be put in that situation right. to know how and learn. it feels. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's the learning curve. But well, And what I love and we talk is more competition in the minor leagues. Competition makes everybody better. And they continue to add to it. Because if you don't perform, like I, I'm going to pick on Nick Gonzalez because he's easy to pick on right now. That dude's going to get passed up. I mean, he's no – we talk about 21. I keep mentioning – He's 24. Yeah. He's going to be 24 next year. Another lost year for him. He's going to be way behind the eight ball in this system. 
Yep. And, and that's what you want. And, Listen, and, if and he's a bust, he's a bust. And you want other guys at least who who are going to surpass him and be contributors to the major well, league. We talk level. about Henry Davis, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that was the guy, and, and he still may be the guy. But if he's not, he got Andy Rodriguez on his heels. Yeah, he's uh, playing phenomenal ball. He was right five now. for five last night at Greensboro. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's hitting three. It's time for him to go up. Yeah, to he got Altoona. sixteen homers there. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he almost has as many walks as he does strikeouts, yep. and he's catching almost every day now. They're mm-hmm. not moving him around to the mm-hmm. outfield anymore. He's catching almost every day. So, like you said, the competition breeds that's awesome. That's yeah, what you success, want, and that's what you want to see. Um. Yeah, I I think what I wanted to see, like I talked about a couple weeks ago, was. The guys start writing their name in ink for next year and stop with all the pencils and the erasing and stuff like that. And I think that you're starting to see, you know, a little bit of a pattern. The bullpen was brutal through most of this year. Um, Not lately. You see them starting to address it with, you know, the Holderman guy they got for Vogelbach. I still think the Cardinals, the guy they got from the Cardinals, projects better to be a uh, relief, a, a, a hammer relief pitcher. But we'll see. They kept Bednar, which I was happy to see. Um, uh, you know, they're starting to put some pieces together and they're at least having some options. I mean, if you need three or four, if you need three or four late inning relievers, you want to have 10, 10 at your options because mm-hmm. you know, relievers are, can, uh, are, are, can change quickly. Um, and you're starting to see, I think O'Neill Cruz is, you're starting to see a 118 bit. mile per hour hit today. I mean, that's well, ridiculous. I think what you're seeing with him, and Michael and I have both talked about watching his swing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, that ain't no Ted Williams swing no. that we're looking at. No, no you're not teaching that. No, no. and I, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a guy that maybe hits 220 to 240 with 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. And I mean, I haven't seen anything defensively uh, watching him play that tells me he can't play shortstop. I see some of the things like today. There was a ball where he sort of circled to and took it on his yeah. side and kind of ran through. Whereas you know the the textbook Fred McGriff videos, remember when we were kids, oh, yeah. you see yeah. those mm-hmm. things. You know you want to get behind it, square up, and make the throw. So I see some of the stuff that people are talking about, but the guy's been here for 35, 40 games, and I I, I haven't seen an you know a shortstop that looks overwhelmed. No. Uh, for his size or height. No. So, hmm. I mean, if you plug him in next year but along with Hayes. Your left side of the infield set. So that's done. Now, you you know, you have Reynolds in center. You have four or five guys out here in the outfield that, you know, hopefully wind up being on either side of them. So you're starting to see some things. And we got catching coming. We yeah. we, ne- we would never talk about catching because, well, there's no reason to. Right. Because, the, the I mean, and, and the Jason delays credit he had two hits. Yep. He's hitting three hundred mm-hmm. now. You know it's only like seventy five mm-hmm. at bats, but I, I mean that guy was an afterthought. I mean he, right. he never. They, they, I never thought he'd even fifth make round the pick. Mention. Yeah, out of yeah, Vanderbilt, yeah, he played with Vanderbilt. Reynolds. Yeah. 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 Well, what, ha- what needs to happen now going forward is is we need to get some things crossed off this year and try to get some answers done. And then what I want to see from the Pirates in the off season is that they go out and address the weaknesses because they're in a position next year. This is year four mm-hmm. of Huntington. Now is where we oh, take a Charrington. step. Our Charrington. Now is where we God take forbid. a now we take a step forward. It's time to the tanking, the losing a hundred games, all that. They crap. have to worry about the major they, league team. You got to start going next year. Absolutely, yeah. the major league team's a priority, and winning has to be a yes. priority next year. All right, well, good pirate talk there, fellas. Appreciate it. Let's move on to my team. The only team I, that I really care about in Pittsburgh is Pitt. Pitt football. Uh, they opened up camp this week. Some news starting to trickle out. It's early, just like it was last week with the Steelers. They're playing in shells. Uh, they're playing thud. They're not at you know, full pads yet, so it's hard to determine anything. 
Um, oh, and before we do that, just shout out to our boy Jake Cradle. It was his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Jake. Hope you had a good day uh, in the middle of, of camp. Um, but obviously what everybody's looking at at Pitt is the quarterback battle. Who's going to replace Kenny? Um, and it's it's Nick, Nick Patty or Keaton Slovis. Keaton, of course, transferred him from USC. The narrative has been both locally and nationally that this is Keaton's job. Nick's going to be the backup. Nick's been a, you know, a backup his entire career here. He's, that's who he is, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, what I'm hearing, and you guys both know that it, I have my finger on the pulse when it comes to Pitt. I have some, some inside information here or there. What I'm hearing is Nick is winning the battle. And as I said, it's early, um, but there's a reason why Narduzzi has said now multiple times that the players will dictate who the starter is. You've never heard Narduzzi ever say that. This is what, year eight for him? Year eight? He's never said those words, ever, when it comes to a position battle. Nick is going to win this job. Uh, it's what, August 4th? I will go out on a limb right now. You guys can make fun of me and, and do whatever you want. I can go sit in, in Tux's little dog cage over here and you can throw ketchup on me. Um, Nick will be the starter September 1 in the backyard brawl. He's just a better quarterback, hands down. And everybody is going to see that. And you're even saying, we talked about this before we hit record today. You can see that narrative that I mentioned is starting to change. Where now all the reporters, the Chris Peaks, the other guys that cover it locally, I'm not even going to mention them. Peak deserves it. He's a great reporter. Uh, the national guys are all starting to say, well, this is a quarterback battle. This is no joke. This isn't Keaton and that, that's it. And it's, a, you know, this is Keaton's team, Keaton's team. It's not, that's not true. Nick is going to win this. Nick is going to win this job, hands down. I I, I believe that from the get go. I, I I know that you know, like we said, you know, when Slovis came in, you know, people that aren't around the team or don't know the team, or you hear names, and and Slovis was a name. He was a you know highly talented high school quarterback that went to USC, had a really good freshman year, then he fell off a cliff. Now it, it might not be like we were mm -hmm. talking about with. With Bush, with the, it might not be physical, right. it might be mental. Um, Nick has a grasp of the offense. He's been around this team for five years now. Um, I believe he's the guy that's probably going to win this job. I, I and, and, and the good thing, and we talked about this last week, the depth. Pit, mm -hmm. Pitt's never had this kind no, of depth. never. In years past, we would have been saying, well, Nick got this job. Let's hope he does the right. job because there's nobody behind him. Or uh, wide, uh, Jordan Addison. I mean, you got guys now that can. If you don't, if you don't perform, the next guy up is going to take your spot, and that's the way it goes. Right. So if Nick wins this job, and I think he should, I mm -hmm. really do. I believe that. And I think I'm he's the better quarterback. And I'm not saying that because <laughs> I, we know him right, and he right, comes yeah. here and stuff. I just think he's the better quarterback. Yes. The eye test. Now, mm -hmm. coaches know more than we do. We're going to see. They see all the, in yeah, the next right. couple weeks who the who the quarterback's going to be. But if he doesn't perform, they got somebody that can step in and, mm -hmm. and fill the job. Right. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can't let up. No. And he's got to keep performing week in, week out. Tommy? Yeah, I mean, I got no dog in this race. So, I, you know, I, I don't know these guys personally. Um, I just have a feeling that it reminds me a lot of this. I think the Steelers and the pit quarterback battles have been uh, – have a potential to be very similar this year. Um, it was ordained that Trubisky was going to Trubisky was going to be the starter. I think both quarterbacks could outperform, and I think Trubisky's going to start Week One. And I think the same thing for Pitt. I think uh, Slovis was the guy. 
high-profile guy. He comes in, he transfers. Um, uh, Narduzzi's got a bone for USC right now, um, and I think he wants to stick it to USC a little bit over the Jordan Addison thing like that. And uh, I think no matter what anybody does, I think Slovis is going to be the quarterback that starts week one. And, uh, you know, if he if he winds up soiling the bed, so be it. But I, I still think Slovis – I think there's too much high profile for Slovis to not be the starter on week one. Yeah, time will tell. I, I, you know, I'm here from the inside. Nick is a player's choice. Um, and I think part of that is he's a better leader. I think one knock on Slovis has always been he's mentally weak and he's not a leader. Well, Patty's been here for five yeah, years. Yeah, he's a leader. I so, mean, but I mean, you know, this team. He's also the guy that's been there. These right. guys have been to war with them. They've they've practiced with right. them. He got limited. Well, there's something time to be said for that. Big game. Oh, absolutely. There's definitely. But that's something the to be same said thing that. that I said about Mason Rudolph going into right. this year. Rudolph's been here for five right. years. The players know him. He knows the system. You got this new guy coming in, Trubisky. You got this new guy coming in, in Slovis. That are have only been on campus for a couple months and stuff like that, but you know if things went at high profile and like NFL and big time college football, I think some of these things are preordained and it's tough to it's tough to get them to uh, you know to, to have an upset. Which to me, Nick starting would be an upset from the outside. Mm-hmm. Not saying for right. what goes on in the inside, but if people on the outside nationally and Nick Patty's taking the snap on Thursday night football against mm-hmm. West Virginia, I think people would be. Shocked by that, as opposed to Slovis. No, great points. All you make all great points, and, and time will tell as we we get deeper into camp. And Narduzzi was saying, hopefully, maybe by the end of next week, we'll know who the starter is because uh, he doesn't. You know, he, he, as you mentioned before, we went on air. You, sometimes Narduzzi's all over the place. Uh, one breath he says he wants to have a starter halfway through camp so he can start working with this guy, and then. The next interview, he's saying we may not have started until the night of the backyard brawl. So who the hell knows? Yeah, my, when when we'll know. But my rant will be involved around Coach Narduzzi okay. today. So we'll have a, I'll have a couple things to say about old Coach here in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, the other battle, uh, unbeknownst to anybody, prior to Narduzzi speaking to the media on Tuesday, is at right guard with our another one of our guys, Jay Cradle. Uh, evidently, he's in a battle with Blake Zubovich, another local kid from Bel Vernon. Um, I think that is more Narduzzi patting Zubovich on the back for being a good soldier and putting the work in. Uh, I think that's much ado about nothing. Jake's the starter. He's going to be the starter September 1. I, I think that's just Narduzzi playing the game with his players a little bit. Anybody want to – because, I mean, those are the two big stories. And I'm going to talk about Mumfield here in a minute too, that this kid's a real deal and he's going to be better than Addison. But um, anything you want to say about the right guard position? No, I, I think – Jake is the starter. I mean, yeah, no doubt. obviously, uh, you you got a younger guy that's doing what he's supposed to do. Like you said, that's what you, right. you're, you're trying to let him know. I'm giving you credit for that. It, the depth on this team, See, we keep going game, back right? to it. Like before, it was whether you performed or you didn't, it was the only guy you had. It, that was the only option you had. Now you don't, you, like you say, it, it's going to cause competition in camp. And that's what you're seeing with the quarterback, the guards, the wide mm-hmm. receivers, the running backs. It's this team is loaded. When's the last time they were loaded? Eighty-two. I mean, we were what nine years old, eight years old. I mean, I don't remember right. those teams. Right. I just remember very mediocre to really bad pit football right. teams. So this is good stuff to talk about. I mean, it's okay to have a guy that's right, right. on your heels. If you're not right. going to perform, we're going to put him right. in. Right, right. No, and a, I love Jake. As a pit I, fan, it's I, awesome. I know he'll do the job, but right. if he doesn't or he gets hurt, we got you somebody got to step in. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I was running 22 mile an hour uh, 
uh, yeah. friends, like you said. You and I came Williams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but that's what he said before he went on the air. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm disagreeing. Exactly. Well, and the other thing I'm going to say, and I agree, we know Narduzzi carries vendettas. There's no doubt. And he wants to prove points, and he wants to shove it up people's asses. There's no doubt. I will, no question. We mentioned this many months ago when Addison first announced his transfer that Narduzzi can do whatever he can to make one have one of the wide receivers put up better numbers than Addison. That's where I think the vendetta is, not with Slovis. And I'm going to tell you right now, once again, I'm going on record like crazy today. Mumfield will be better than Addison, without a doubt. This kid is ten times better. And his numbers this year will prove it. His his numbers will exceed Jordan Addison's, and that's where Narduzzi will shove it up Lincoln Riley's ass, and Addison's, and yeah, his parents. I mean, I'll be very curious to see what this offense looks like with Signetti. Um, Signetti's they keep talking about run, 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 um, and they have they're still going to throw what, the ball. Five running backs that are that are viable uh, options for them back there. Um, so I'll just here's be what curious I'll say. to see what this offense Here's what I will like. say about that. Don't believe that hype. Okay. They're going to throw the ball 30 times a game. They, then your last year, what, they run at 15. I think they'll run the ball 20, 25. They're still going to throw at 30. They have ample weapons on the outside that they have to use. Mumfield, the other transfer, Bub Means, this kid is electric. You want to talk about stretch the field? This kid's going to do it. And then you have our boy, Jared Wayne. 6'3", 225 pounds, every bit of both of those numbers. No program height and weight there. Don't forget my cousin Jalen Bradley, too. Your cousin Jalen Bradley and Jaden Bradley and Jalen Barton. So they have a ton of depth. To your point, Mike, again, you were going to say that word. Numbers. On the outside. they're not. Listen, they're not going to hand the ball off 30 times a game and throw it 15. Not with those weapons on the outside. They're just not. They're going to run it more, and they're going to run it. Here's the key, Tommy. They're going to run it more effectively. Yeah. That's the key. So if you run the ball 15 times a game, you want your average to be five and a half as opposed to in years past where it was 3.2, 3.3. That's going to be the difference this year. They're not. It, I don't think it's going to be 50-50. I think you're going to see, still see 60-40 pass run, but they're going to run the ball much more effectively. I think that's where the focus is this year. I think Izzy got to be the starting running back. Oh, no oh, question. Yeah. Izzy's the guy. Yeah, Vincent Davis, come on. Vincent Davis will be in a pass pro, and he'll be in some in some designated pass plays. And, Tommy, you're right. I mean, we Signetti's offense, we're going to have to see it. Yeah, we haven't seen it. Um, but you, there may be some design screens for Vincent Davis, stuff like that, where you get him out into the flat uh, and let him use his speed and his wiggle he on the outside. He likes to run exactly. he likes to run forward. Exactly. But Vincent Davis, I like him only because I can say his name. But I, 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 I can't. Izzy. Just call him uh, Izzy. Yeah, Everybody yeah, knows I'm not even getting into way. that last yeah. name. A of Canada. Yeah, if yeah. you say so. God bless you. Um, yeah. Um, and that Daniel Carter, this kid, I'm going to tell you, there's a name to keep an eye on. Daniel Carter is a beast. He's going to, you'll see him because uh, they're a little, th- well, not even, they're not thin at tight Everybody thought they were thin at tight end. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, these transfers, Carter Johnson, Devin Devinney from Georgia Tech, um, Kai Wright, the kid from Sharon PA, they're finally coming into his own. He's passed the injuries. So they have depth there. But you're going to see uh, Daniel Carter a lot in H back. Uh, I think in Signetti's offense, they like to use an H-back a lot. That's going to be Daniel Carter, and this kid can make th- make stuff happen. So a lot of Pitt talk. That's good. Camp started. Much more to come because we get some good information about Pitt, and we'll share that as we receive and as we're able. Um, but for now, it's time for fact 
or fiction. Before we get into fact yeah. or fiction, one thing I just flashed across my screen. So yeah. there's they're talking about Cam Sutton as we talked about. Okay, good. So one thing that just came up, and maybe this would be a, a good fact or fiction, we'll just throw in there. Yeah. If Cam Sutton's, I'll start it. Yeah. Okay. If Cam Sutton's hurt, mm-hmm. would you bring back Joe Hayden? Interesting. Uh, 100%. He knows the defense. He's comfortable. He can step right in. It doesn't matter. He's missing time. And, and he still has it. I mean, to your point, I loved what you said about the B minus. That's where Joe Hayden is now. At one point, he was an A corner. He's not anymore. He's older. He's, he's lost a step. He's still a B minus C plus corner in this league. Why wouldn't you? That's a no brainer. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a no brainer, too. I mean, like he's just sitting at home. He's rested. He's older. He hasn't gone mm-hmm. through camp. There's nothing wrong with bringing a veteran in. No, I, I absolutely. That's fact. If 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 Sutton's out for any lengthy, well, that's what I was trying to get some updates so we can know what we were talking right. about. But it, it seemed like Tomlin kind of poo pooed it. Didn't have much information. Mm-hmm. But uh, I saw there was a little bit of talk about you know if you know the, like we talked about them being thin at corner. Yeah. They needed to sign somebody. Who could they go out and get? Well, first name is Joe Hayden. Doesn't Joe need Hayden, to learn the doubt. defense, right. like you said. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and a veteran that you know knows how to take care of his body. Absolutely, and, and he's yeah. one of three this year instead of one of two last mm-hmm. year. So you know, it's just a thought. So, yeah. and I, I would say fact. I, I'd, I'd say that's the first phone call you make if it's something that warrants it. Tom, a sure. great audible on that one. Sorry, right. like that's it. a good way to start. That's a great way to start. Good job. Uh, and speak. We'll stay on football for our next factor fiction, and this is courtesy of. Sean. Sean. Sean your godson. My yeah. godson. Your again. godson. Uh, this is a great one, Sean. One, Shout out to you, buddy. Maybe our number one listener because yeah. he's always got comments about yeah, this. Yeah, I, so. I appreciate it. Sean. This is a great one. If Cordell Stewart were playing today, given the emphasis on dual threat quarterbacks, if Cordell played today, we, we all know he was way ahead of his time, would he be the best of the lot? Uh, I, I, I don't know about best, but he'd be right up there with – Lamar Jackson, um, I, he'd be better, like you said, than Kyler Murray for sure. Ten times better than Kyler Murray. Um, people, I think people tend to forget how good Cordell actually was. He was really good. For he was a few up years. Yes, he I mean, was. He was really, really good and electric with his legs, and yep. he had a cannon for an arm. I mean, I loved him in college when he was yep. at Colorado. Colorado. You know, uh, the 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 long touchdown pass to, to Charles, Westbrook. Yeah, to Westbrook. Uh, to Westbrook. Westbrook. Yeah. yeah, Charles Johnson, Michael rest Westbrook. in peace. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, it, it, we tend to forget the past sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a guy like Cordell today in the way offenses are run today. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he would he would be floating in money right now, mm-hmm. absolutely, fact. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, to me his game is very similar to Lamar Jackson, yeah. except he's bigger. Um, he was he's, – he's more he's, – he's a bigger, more physical, more specimen than Lamar Jackson is. While he struggled with Cordell, struggled with some of his throws, I don't think there's any doubt that he was a better deep ball passer mm-hmm. than Lamar Jackson is, uh, or what is is now. Um, he struggled on some of his short game, like uh, Lamar does. Um, but I think I think Cordell's biggest problem was is that he was 25 years ahead of his time. They did not use NFL coaches didn't know what to do with him at that time. Mm-hmm. If you gave somebody a, if you gave a Cordell in his prime right now to to Baltimore's uh, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, what they've done with Lamar Jackson, I mean Christ, I think he's better. I think he could be better than Lamar Jackson. Lamar San Jackson Francisco, Michael, oh, you was an MVP. Control yeah. over having a guy like Cordell Absolutely. in that offense. Yeah, so, yeah. the game's changed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he, I agree. In fact, I mean, 100%. He'd be the best. I think he'd be better than Lamar. Um, I think he had more in his arsenal than Lamar has. I think his accuracy, you're right, it wasn't, but I think his accuracy is better than Lamar's. 
And I think he's just as athletic and his legs are just as explosive as Lamar. So I think there's no question. Fantastic factor fiction here. And, and you know, I think, and in fact, he would be the best quarterback. And looking at it from a different perspective, and you know, and you think this is a crazy thought that what I'm going to say. Would an NFL team know what to do with Dan Marino right now? I mean, think about that. The way the game's played, a guy that's three steps and throw the ball, a statue, couldn't run, couldn't mm-hmm. get out of the pocket, all that kind of stuff. Would NFL would 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 they be able to adjust to him? And and I know Marino was was one of a kind, but I mean, you think about it. What his the did, offense. what his game did, well, was not. I mean, no. The, but and, I will and, counter. His knees wouldn't have been as bad yeah, because the way the game is how they protect quarterbacks now. I, we have quarterbacks like him then. now, Joe Burrow, right? Matthew yeah. Stafford. But those I guys Joe, all can. Those all Matthew guys can Stafford, move. And can but so could Danny. Remember, Danny was a phenomenal athlete. Oof. I mean, phenomenal yeah. athlete, and then he took a beating in the NFL, a beating. And then his knees went, and he hobbled. So I think if you put him in, in today's – he wouldn't get touched, right? I mean, very and rarely would he get touched. the defenses are playing now, yeah. you can't touch wide Danny would be Danny. Well, I I'll be honest. What made me think of that was – and, again, I, I, this is absolutely positively nothing. I'm not saying he's too even remotely close. But Carson Strong out of Nevada yeah. this year mm-hmm. was a statue. He's yeah. a, He was a pocket quarterback, a big, slow guy, bad knees. He didn't even get drafted this year. If this was 25 years ago, he's you know he, yep. he might be in the top 10 quarterbacks that are right. top in the top 10 overall draft. Ah, it's interesting saying, to think about. Yeah, you just look at you know different scenarios, the way things are right. now. Well, the games then, evolve. There's yeah. no question. You know, it's completely different. Uh, I mean, we see these guys now. Like I, I, I watch Aaron Rodgers throw one yard touchdown passes. I want to vomit inside right. my own mouth. You know, Marina never threw a one yard touchdown pass. <laughs> right. You look at all. 500 touchdowns <laughs> through. They were, I mean, they were missiles. Right. Only yeah. one, the fake spike against well, the yeah, that's, that's, right. Right. that's right. That's right. No, I think Danny would be Danny. I mean, yeah, you think he was that, so absolutely. amazing. And that's what yeah. I mean. But I'm just. But that's you know, an interesting you point. Just think you don't know. The yeah. way that this the the game's way the game is played yeah. now, man, yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the thing is with Danny, don't forget, I mean, this dude was just as good as baseball at baseball as he was football. He was a tremendous athlete. That's because he went to Central Catholic. Well, I mean, that's he's a Viking. Kind of Vikes. Kind of what we do. Rule Vikes. Their yeah. season opens up August 28th in Canton, Ohio, Hall of Fame Field against St. Edwards. So there's your Vikings update. That'll be their one loss. Maybe. They're stacked. We'll talk about that. Are we going to get Maurice yes. on the show? Yeah. Uh, Maurice Washington. Washington former Pitt player, now yeah, coaching Gateway. Pitt, uh, fullback. He's the uh, defensive coordinator for Gateway. He's going to come in and talk a little uh, WPIL football with us and give us an update on local guys. Yeah, I wish I'd have known that. I wish you. I wish I would have known you. Known him. He was my. He was Lexi, my daughter. It was his yeah, te- math teacher. Teacher. Oh yeah, yeah no way. Teacher, yeah. She didn't have a good experience. At that, so <laughs> I could have talked to him a little bit about that. All right, uh, moving on. Factor fiction. These have been great. Um, we talked about the Juan Soto trade. Padres will win the AL West and play in the World Series. Factor fiction. That is fiction. Like our good friend that just wrestled recently at age 73. Ric Flair. Woo! To be the man, you've yeah, got to beat, beat the, the man. Yeah. And until the Padres prove when the lights come on that they can beat the Dodgers, to me the Dodgers are still the better team. I, I, they got the better lineup. Now I know Tatis is mm-hmm. now swinging a bat. Now we're, what, a week into August. When's he going to be available? Right. How good is he going to be when he comes back? Yes, Soto makes them better. There's no question. Machado's a good hitter. Their lineup isn't stacked. I mean, you look at the rest of their lineup, Jake Cronenworth. Mm. I, I mean, I could go down the line. Trent Grisham's hitting 196. He's playing right. left field. I mean, they're they're good. They're really, really good. Are they good enough to beat the Dodgers? The guys that, you right. know, you got Freddie Freeman. And let's, yeah. I mean, you got – And let's Sets, not forget about – Yeah, yeah. 
Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. You got Justin Turner. Turner yeah. Uh, you got great Will pitching Smith. staff. You got a great pitching staff. You got a good bullpen. Um, hey, the Padres did pick up uh, Josh Hader. Sure. Yeah. And I think that had something to do with mm-hmm. the way the Brewers lost three games in yeah. a row to the Pirates. It kind of screwed up their, <laughs> their pecking order in that bullpen. You know, they bring in. Devin, what? Devin Williams not ready for primetime. Apparently not. Uh, Brian Reynolds <laughs> pimped them at home. Playing. I mean, he never pimps anybody. And then, you know, they bring in Brett Suter in the eighth yep. inning. And I'm like, well, this is weird. First pitch he throws, Cruz hit a yeah. ball. I, I, that ball was just completely destroyed. But my point is, the Padres have made the moves. Yes. And on paper. To, to their credit, they're going in. On I mean, paper. They're, they're yes, going they're in. They've never won a World Series. Right. On paper, are they the better team? Probably. But we know games aren't played right. on paper, so I, I I say the Dodgers are still the team to beat. I'll say fiction. I don't. I think the Dodgers are still the team to beat, with one caveat. As I was trying to find Cam Sutton information online, uh, Clayton Kershaw left the game injured today. He does that all the time. Yeah, I know. So uh, so you know that would be the only thing is if if he can't be if he's out for any period of time, that might tip the balances. Uh, but uh, no, I agree, and I'm a big believer in. You, you got to beat the man. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Yep. I agree with you a thousand percent. And the Dodgers have been the big dogs in that yard for a long time, and until the Padres do something different. And I agree with you. I mean, I, I heard about this 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 fantastic lineup, and I, I understand what Tatis. If he gets back, it changes a little bit. But Jake Cronenworth's bat fifth for them. Yeah, I mean that doesn't that doesn't move the needle for me whatsoever. Um, and the Dodgers, for God's sakes. I mean, on the right day, Freddie Freeman might be bat eighth on that lineup, the way that, that mm-hmm. as deep as they are. So, no, I, I still think that's the Dodgers. They got Mookie that's Betts the Dodgers the right, 25 yeah. homers. Yeah, I think that's the Dodgers that lose as far as I'm concerned. No, you guys can – I'm going to say fiction as well. I'm going to say it's, yeah, Dodgers for sure, team to beat. And speaking of baseball real quick, just we'd be remiss if we overlooked the passing of Vin Scully this week. Uh, an absolute legend, best broadcaster ever to live, as far as I'm concerned, hands down. Um, so rest in peace to, to, to Vinny. Um, just tremendous work over his, holy cow, 67 years in the broadcast yes. booth. He started in 1950 yeah. with the Brooklyn Dodgers and went out west when he went to years yeah, 23 years old when he first started. Best ever to do it. Uh, and how fortunate were we to grow up when we did well, with, <clears throat> with Vin, John Facenda, the voice of the NFL, Mel Allen, the voice of This Week in Baseball in Philadelphia Phillies. Twib notes. Twib notes. I mean, phenomenal stuff. And Johnny Miller, the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. Yep. Yeah, You're I, ne- we're never going to see that again. I Dick Enberg, too. Dick Enberg, thank you. Oh, there's so many. Al yeah. Michaels. You Keith could throw Jackson. Al Michaels. Yeah. Every Saturday we watch, listen. It, and John Madden. I mean, you're, And John yeah. Madden was, you know, <clears throat> and Pat Summerall, yeah. you know, even though he was drunk most of the time. Um, All those announcers were back in the day. Well, that's true. I, I, when I was watching the, the tribute to – Ben Scully the other yeah. day, I was thinking, you know, these guys that are younger than us, and I'm not even talking young guys, I'm talking guys in their, you know, early to mid 30s, late 30s, never experienced the the, the way we watch sports. And a guy like Ben Scully, yeah. like I I was thinking when he passed, the, the obviously everybody remembers the Kirk Gibson home mm-hmm. run, but it was the call that he made. Like, right, I was sitting in my living room watching a game with my mm-hmm. dad. And, and he, he goes, you believe this shit? He goes, they're bringing this guy up. He can't even walk. And he hits the home run, and you're like, did this really just happen? And he and the, the famous line was, in, an, in a season with the improbable, the impossible happened. Yeah. Like, how do you even yeah, think come, to say that? On the spot. On the spot. It's insane. That's the most <clears throat> iconic line in baseball yep. history as far as World Series goes. And he called 25 World yep. Series. It just – 
He was your voice. And if you lived in L.A., you're on the freeway for mm. 18 hours trying to get right. home. You listen to the entire game, and mm. that was your voice. That was the guy's voice that you knew better than anybody else's. Yep. And I don't think we'll ever see – I don't think any future generation will ever see anything no. like this again. No, and that's – you know, uh, we've all had our disagreements with Mark Madden uh, uh, on air. But one thing he was talking about yesterday, I was listening to this. They were doing like a, a brief Mount Rushmore of Pittsburgh – Sportscasters, you know, Mike Lang, Bob Prince, Billy Hillgrove, Myron Cope. Those guys will never exist because they're not allowed to exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Teams don't want broadcasters that have a personality to be a voice. They're all just looking the, further than Joe Block. They're all the same guy, the same voice. You know, what you were saying, when you heard Vin Scully, when you heard Mel Allen, when you heard uh, the guy from the NFL Network, I, I always say his name. Yeah. When you heard that, you knew what it his was. Voice. There was no – you heard his voice, you knew it was NFL. You heard Mel Allen, you knew it was this week in baseball. You know, when yeah. Vin Scully or Dick Enberg or any of those guys were on TV, you knew it was something important. And you, you just felt like, okay, this is something. I hear that voice. I know this is something going on. Today's game, most of the time when they're when these broadcasters are on, I don't even know who the hell they right. are. Yeah. It, they all sound the same. You can't tell who's talking. And there's six guys in the booth. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing that you that these that these future generations will never have. Mike Lyon. Right. Mike Lyon, there will never be a guy right. like Mike Lyon again mm -hmm. with the with the catchphrases and all that kind of stuff. They just don't do that anymore. No. Well, good stuff. We were going to talk about Brittany Griner and a Brittany Griner fact of fiction since she was sentenced today to nine years in prison in Russia. But I'm not, let's forget it. I mean, this has been a great fact of fiction and I don't even want to take it down that path. So let's move on to our rants. So, oh, you want me to go first? Go ahead, Tommy. Oh, you teased just, yours, so let's go. I'm just sitting on this one. <clears throat> so I wasn't here last week, so mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, old Coach Narduzzi went on some no-name podcast. Uh, With uh, Colin Dunlap yeah, and Richard Bassey. It was nowhere near as good as ours. Um, and started saying some stupid things about, you know, Pitt would win the Big Ten every year if they were in it. And, you know, just beating on his chest. And listen, for a guy and myself who idolized Dion my whole life and Brian Bosworth before that, Obviously, I'm I'm a fan of people that like to talk it, mm -hmm. but boy, you sure as hell better walk it. And you know, Coach Narduzzi's coming off a great year, and I don't want to take anything away from the Pitt team last year. They had a great year, their best year in a long time. The bottom line is though that big mouth coach that's chirping all the time lost two home games at that they were heavy favorites that they could have been in the national championship. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's great you won the ACC. But the big talker lost two games at home that they shouldn't have lost. So if you're going to talk it, Fair. you better goddamn well make sure that all the boxes are checked before you talk it. This guy's been in this town for a long time. He's talked a lot of noise with very, very limited results. Yes, he One won year. in Clemson. Congratulations. He won the Coastal on a down year the first year. Congratulations. Last year, again, I don't want to take away what that team did. Because what they accomplished was great, but they left a lot of meat on the table that they could have made a great year, a historical year. And that's what makes you Nick Saban, or it makes you everybody Dabo. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Saban just said last year was basically a down year for us. And we were retooling. Mm -hmm. They lost in a national championship mm -hmm. game. That's what coaches at that level, that's the kind of success you have when you can start talking shit like that. Coach Narduzzi, I respect what you've done for this program. I respect that the talent as on that team is at the highest level it's been in a long time. But stop talking and perform on the field. 
hang a couple more banners, do something on a national level, then you can bang your chest on a real podcast like ours or Pat McAfee's or somebody else's instead of some car dealer podcast. Start backing your talk up with actual results. Please. Thank you. This is the year to do it. It's put up or shut up time this year. Well, I, I'm going to stay with the, the the same school, just a different program. Okay. I don't you. I know you didn't see it, but I don't know if you've seen the uh, men's basketball mm-hmm. team at the university last week had an alumni day, mm-hmm. and they had ex players come in and work out with the current players. Levance yep. Fields was in town. Yep. Dewan Blair. Dewan Blair was here. Brad Wanamaker was here. My Guys, boy. Go ahead. Sam Young. Sam Young was here. Um, they actually got the scrimmage with these young kids, yep. and they got to interact with these kids. I think this is the first right thing Capel's done since he's been here. Yeah, you bring back move. the past mm-hmm. so you can have a future. Let these kids talk to these guys that were actually successful at this university and how proud they were to play at that university. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it was probably the best thing I've seen yep. Capel do since he's been here. And I, I was just I was I was watching all the little Twitter feeds mm-hmm. with the interaction between the young guys and the ex players, and hopefully it translates to something moving forward. But I, I love the move by Capel, and I don't know why he didn't do it before. But I just want I know I bash him constantly, and I won't call them mm-hmm. the, the the actual team yet. But this is the first good thing I've seen him do that made sense to bring back the history to show yeah. these kids this is where you want to be. So my yeah. shout out is to Coach Capel for actually doing something right since uh, he's been here. Good call, very good call. I'll stick with the pit theme. I wasn't going to do this, but I'll stick with the pit theme since you both big pit. Um, and, and speaking of shout outs, just a shout out to uh, one tremendous human being that's not only a, an impact football player on the field as a defensive lineman, but quite possibly the I don't know what we want to say uh, the most complete person off the field uh, that I that I remember in pit football history. And now, like we talked about, I, I go back to the old Pitt Stadium days, 1978-79, walking up Cardiac Hill. So this goes back quite a ways with me. Uh, Deslin Alexander is probably the finest human being that's passed through that program since Pitt's had a football program. This is a kid who I think I mentioned on previous podcasts. Last I week we did. Yeah, that he set the record for most community service hours ever by a Pitt football player since they've started to track it. He's partnered with this foundation that sends money back to Haiti because that's where he's from. This is a guy who hasn't forgotten where he was born, where he was raised when he was young. I think he came to the States when he was three or four. Um, And using his platform to try to help these kids that are from the country where he came from to help them in any way he possibly can. He not only does that, he goes to the VA hospital um, off of Washington Boulevard. I guess that would be considered, I don't know what that, East Liberty, I guess. Yeah. once a week to talk to the veterans to give you know he thanks the veterans for the service they provide and helps out in any way he can um he's been at the boys and girls club i mean there's too many things for this i mean if you go on his twitter feed and just look at what he's done and he doesn't tweet about it it's others that tweet about where he's been so to stay positive uh, like you set the tone there michael with capo i just want a huge shout out to deslin alexander 
uh, for doing things the right way, for setting a positive example for younger kids. And this is how you use a platform. And this is how you can make a difference, giving the advantages that he has as a Division One football player. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, and hopefully he sets the tone for the rest of the team. I mean, this is a guy who will not tolerate anything but the best on and off the field because that's what he does. And he's also an exemplary student, by the way. He's a, I think he has a 3-6 in his major, and he's now in grad school. So this is a guy who, when you're, you know, you're building a program for Narduzzi, um, this is a guy you want to build a program around. And I, there's, look, the coaches can take some, some credit for the success last year, but I give more credit to Kenny Pickett, to Deslin Alexander, and to these guys that showed the way and, and provided this is the right way to do it and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. So we'll end with that. So shout out, Deslin, for all you're doing. And I think that'll do it. Anybody else have anything to, to close things out with? Him again. No, I forgot. The one thing, the thing I hated about yeah. Narduzzi, wow. yeah. calling, off, calling out his offense coordinators. That's, he does do I that. Can't, quite a bit. That's another thing I can't stand. And that so. goes back to the vendetta we yeah, talked about. Yeah, he carries I, them. There's yeah, no doubt. I, that is to, to call out Whipple in, in, in Canada. Uh, Canada, your two most successful offenses in your thing, yeah. and you're calling them. Yeah, just sorry. Forgot about that. No, fair. It's all fair. I have no rebuttal to that at all. I just I will tell you he's yeah, recruiting he, quality I, kids. I, I get that. I get I have no that's the part I right. don't have a problem. I get right. that's okay, but that's gotta translate. Right. And that's the no, part absolutely. that I got a problem with. So absolutely. Hey, great show this week, <laughs> yeah, guys. Good show, guys. It was good to have all three back. Great show. We're a minute thirteen in. I think hour and thirteen. Hour excuse me, hour thirteen. I think every single one of those seventy three minutes has been a good one. Hope everybody that's listening agrees with me. Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back at it next week. Much more Steeler talk. We're going to be one week in, as we mentioned, closer to the Seahawk preseason opener. Another weekend pit camp, so hopefully we'll have some more answers there. So stay tuned. Send us your feedback. We always want to hear it. Uh, thanks again to uh, Tommy's godson, Sean, for, for the fact or fiction. Eli, thank you. Uh, anybody else has, has anything, shoot us a note on Facebook, text, however you can get in touch with us, please do so. But in the meantime, have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.